I want to start this morning by talking about a, a very common and highly dreaded experience, and one which I had this week, which is calling customer service on the phone. Anybody had that experience? Ah, oh, okay, so right, you dial, it's ringing, that's a good sign. You ask, well, is a person going to pick up? Nope, here's the recording. You listen to all the options, then you realize you got distracted and didn't hear them all, so you have to listen to them again. Okay, press two, good, ringing. All of our lines are busy. You have a wait time of approximately 15 minutes. Okay, not ideal, but that's okay. I can work with that. Here comes the music. Then you wait. And you wait. And every time there's a little break in the music, your heart skips a beat. Oh, is that a person? Nope. Thank you for calling. One of our experts will be with you shortly. The music again. Okay, at first, not so bad. Might have the phone on speaker, cleaning up the kitchen, doing some, some things like that around the house. Then you check your clock. Okay, how much longer? It's been 10 minutes. Now it's 15 minutes. Any time now, right? 20 minutes. You start getting mad. Come on. They said 15 minutes, and then the questions start rolling. Will the music ever stop? Will they change songs? Will they even be able to help me? What am I doing? Did my call get lost in the shuffle? Is there anybody there? Should I keep on or just give up? And then finally, arg. So if you're in that position, do you stay on the line? Or do you give up? What makes the difference in what you choose? Well, a couple considerations. What made you call in the first place? How desperate are you for a solution? If you're desperate or you need help right now, you might stay on the line and push through. And the other question is, how confident are you that the person on the other end of the line will actually help? If it's not urgent, you think something else is more urgent, you don't think the person will be much help anyway, you might just hang up. So the difference, in other words, is in the depth of your desperation and the strength of your hope. There's a great deal of desperation, even despair, around us right now. And I'm not talking about calling customer service. These are tough times. In the midst of tough times, what keeps us from metaphorically hanging up the phone and just giving up? Where do we find hope in tough times? Isaiah was writing to people in tough times, too. Israel in exile. Judah had been smashed under the judgment of God, scattered to the winds, just a remnant of what they had once been. You think it was hard to not come to worship here for a year. Imagine being out 60 years, longing to get back. By that point, you might start asking, does anyone else remember? Is anyone else even going to go back? Has God forgotten us? Were God's promises just empty words? What is the point? And in the middle of that desperation, in those tough times, Isaiah turns and says, Israel, there is hope for you yet. And Isaiah turns to us this morning and says, Redeemer, there's hope for you too. We have hope even in tough times because of who God is. That's it today. Let's allow Isaiah to point us toward hope this morning by reminding us about who God is.
first. In tough times, we have hope because God is big. I'm looking especially here at verses 21 to 24. Think of all the leaders and the rulers and the somebodies of the earth, the bigwigs, the people who have power and think they can do whatever they want with it, the people who drive you absolutely crazy, who you, they come on the news and you turn off the TV, the ones who shoot rockets into the moon, which apparently happened this week, the ones who make you scared, even the leaders in the church that make you just shake your head. Think of all those leaders. Now imagine God above the big circle of the earth, just looking down. All those somebodies are the size of little grasshoppers hopping around, or ants just running here and there. I kind of imagine God just watching them, shaking his head. You guys think you're really something. Their voices are like little chipmunk voices. God looks at them and goes, and they're scattered like a bunch of dust on the wind. Nothing they sow will last. The late Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who fought against apartheid in South Africa, which is for the freedom and equality of black South Africans, went through a lot, as you can imagine. And a few years ago, there was an interview with him in Time magazine where people could write in with questions. And a man from Addis Ababa asked this, after all you've seen and endured, are you really as optimistic as your book says you are? And Tutu responded, I'm not optimistic, no. I'm quite different. I'm hopeful. I am a prisoner of hope. In the world, you have very bad people, Hitler, Idi Amin, and they look like they are going to win. All of them, all of them have bitten the dust. Evil will not last. Those who do evil will not ultimately triumph. And this is not just a pie-in-the-sky someday thing. Think of the Exodus story that's foundational for our faith, for the people of Israel as well, the people Isaiah is writing to. Don't you remember? Have you not known? Have you not heard from the beginning? It's a story that's foundational for the Jewish people enduring the Holocaust, as we remembered this week, for enslaved believers in our own country looking to the Exodus story. Because of words like this that the Lord says in Exodus 3, 7, and 8, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them. We can take hope in this story, as so many believers have, because God works in history to bring about freedom and justice. Not just someday. He's worked. He is working because he is big. And all the people who drive us crazy now, knowing that God is big, bigger than all of the madness, knowing that, how are we to exercise hope? Because hope is a muscle. We need to use it. Well, knowing that God is big, we confess and lament. Confession is actually a profound act of hope. Have you thought about that? It's hope that we can be forgiven. Hope that we can be transformed by the Spirit. That we don't have to despair when we see our sin, but we can turn to the Lord and be saved. Lament is a profound act of hope. It's what one writer calls an act of passionate expectation. When we take our questions and our complaints to God, we say, God, we know you're big. We know you're bigger than all this stuff. Act. 
This is not the way it's supposed to be. Wake up, Jesus. Act on our behalf. Sung Chan Ra has a wonderful book called Prophetic Lament, which he talks about confession and lament being something that propel us to imagine a world beyond sin and brokenness. Confession and lament are exercises of hope because they teach us to imagine. It doesn't have to be this way. It's not supposed to be this way. Lord, work. We imagine and we ask because asking requires hope too. God is big. There is hope for us yet. Second, in tough times, we have hope because God is big and he also works small. Look at verses 25 and 26. And then just think about the stars for a minute, like Isaiah points us to. Imagine you're looking up. We have little twinkling lights here, like a few stars. We don't get to see the stars very often in this area. I've had a few times where I've gotten to see them really clearly. One up in the mountains in Arizona, one out in the middle of nowhere in Peru. And I will never forget the realization, I can see the Milky Way. I can see it. It's mind-boggling, all the stars, all the distances. Eric really tracks with all the stuff going on and exploring to space, and I'm like, I can't take it in. I cannot imagine how far away that is. And just imagine how clearly people could have seen the stars in Isaiah's time. Whew. And God brings them out one by one. How long would that take if I were to do that? And God calls them each by name. I don't think I could come up with trillions of different names. But God calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. God has an eye for detail. God's bigness, his power and strength shows up by knowing and taking care of each individual star. And that's how his power shows up for us too. Not an indifference. This is not a God who looks and says, oh, those grasshoppers, I'll just stomp on them. In knowledge and care, that's how God's power shows up for us. Because this is not just any God. This is Yahweh, the covenant God of love. If not even a single star is left out from the reach of his love, why should I be or you? God is so big, he knows you by name. And he knows Redeemer by name, too. God has not forgotten us. So knowing that God's power shows up in knowing and caring for us, how then shall we exercise hope? We exercise hope by receiving and giving God's love. I've been pondering this verse from Romans this week, that hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. When we receive God's love, we're filled with hope because we have confidence God will work for our good. If he's that big and he loves me, of course he's going to work for our good. He hasn't forgotten us. When we give others God's love, that love Paul talks about and Pastor Steph talked about as well from Corinthians. When we give others that love, we give them hope as well. It's a taste of what we were meant for, of the home where we're heading. Love breathes hope where there was despair, and it's hope that helps our feet keep heading toward home. The Holy One, the Creator 
of all those stars knows you by name. There is hope for us yet. And third, in tough times, we have hope because our God empowers. Isaiah spends all this time building up God's power and might in these verses, and he does more in our starting in verse 27 and through the end of our passage. The everlasting God, beyond the, what is it, the Energizer Bunny? He always exists. He never wears out. The creator of the very ends of the earth, who never grows tired or weary, whose understanding is deeper than the ocean and faster than the whole universe. Captain Picard cannot get to the end of it, right? No one can get to the outer limits of God's understanding. Well, if you're like me, you might feel a little conflicted about all that power. That's a lot. Because we've seen power abused. We've seen people get power and then spend all their time just keeping it and growing it and using it to squash people. We might not be so sure about power. But after all this talk of Yahweh's power, Isaiah says this in verse 29. He gives. Think about that. He gives strength to those who are tired. To those who have no power, he increases it. This is extraordinary. We do not have a God who abuses power or exploits our vulnerabilities. We have a God who empowers the weak. A God who empowers. So much hopelessness and despair when we meet it in our world, when we feel it in ourselves, is rooted in a feeling of powerlessness. Those in poverty, cycles that just feel unbreakable. Those abused, power used to take away agency rather than help grow and cherish and flourish. We might feel powerless even in COVID. I do. Will anything ever change? The variants just keep coming. Well, it is good news for us that we worship a God who empowers, a God who longs to restore our dignity, a God who gives us creative agency in the world, restoring his image in us. That is our God. So we exercise hope in an empowering God when we empower others, when we give dignity to those who've been robbed of it, when we who have power give it up so those who've been trampled can be raised up. This is one reason that we're going slow in Highwood. It would be so easy for us to come in as a majority white church, thinking we know best, and inadvertently disempower those made in the image of God in this community. We still have some learning to do around that. Our God is a God who empowers, and we are to be people who empower too. It's also one reason that as Christians, we're called to proclaim Jesus through acts of justice and mercy. Because as African-American New Testament scholar Dennis Edwards points out, it's a great book, by the way, Might from the Margins. He points out this, acts of mercy and justice proclaim hope because they demonstrate God's intentions for the world. And that brings hope, that God's intentions for the world are good, are shalom. Change toward that now brings hope for change to come. Even as we know, we're always going to struggle in the meantime, but change can bring hope. We also exercise hope in an empowering God when we rest. 
Because sometimes our despair is just because we're tired. I'm tired. I bet I'm not the only one. Resting. When we rest, we say, I do not need to scramble or frantically keep working because I know God is working. Resting proclaims our hope and our belief that God's in charge and he will do it. He is at work now so I can rest. We can be those who bring hope by empowering others. And when we're tired, we can rest in the Lord. Because he's not tired. There is hope for us yet. I want to close today by actually giving us some time for extra prayer. Because I know it's easy for us right now with all the things our community is walking through that maybe we resonate with the words Isaiah reports, Israel says, my way is hidden. My cause is disregarded. Well, we can take that to the Lord. Prayer is an exercise of hope and trust that God hears. And that as we pray, again, as Dennis Edwards puts it, we can have the confident expectation of a good outcome. Because that's who God is. That's hope. So I'm going to ask Otto and Ethan to join me up here, and I prepped them for this. Otto was scheduled to lead our prayers today. Ethan is our fearless deacon. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to, to, sorry, going to give some prompts for prayer, move through some areas, and I invite you to pray in your hearts or aloud as an expression of hope to the Lord. He wants good things for us. He's got this. There's hope for us yet. So please um, close your eyes or lift your eyes, however you pray best. And I want to invite us first into a time of prayers of lament, complaint, questions. What is not the way it's supposed to be that you want to say, God, act. Lift your prayers of lament to the Lord. Lord, COVID just keeps going. I am tired of it. Act, Lord, we pray. Lord, our political system just seems broken. I'm powerless. Help us, Lord. Father, it grieves us to see the ways that your church 
the shepherds of your church have failed to care for their sheep. Um, we ask for your help and your forgiveness. Yes, sir. Lord, go ahead. Yes, sir. Lord, our country is broken racially. We are. It is big but you are bigger. Help us, Lord. And Lord, we name our lament right now for our own community with Jay on leave, with questions that we can't answer. Help us, Lord. As we lament, we have hope because of who God is. So I invite you now to simply name, who do you say God is? God, you are the everlasting God. The all powerful. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. You're so creative. You have a name for every star. You have already conquered sin through Christ's death on the cross. Amen. You're the lifter of the lowly. You're the God who brought back our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. You're the God who has saved us, who is saving us. You will come again to judge the living and the dead. Yes. You're the God who has not forgotten us.
and has And as we name who God is, let's turn our prayers to expressions of thanks and confidence for what the Lord will do in us, what we trust the Lord will do, what the Lord has done among us as well. We thank you for how you've sustained us, Lord, in this time of COVID. Father, we can look back over our life as a church and see countless ways you've worked among us. You've led us through uncertain times. You've brought us here to this building, to this community in Highwood. And we trust that you will continue that work in the months and years to come. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. We thank you for the kids that are coming in. Kids are also an expression of hope. We thank you, Lord. We trust you. Help us trust you. Lift all these prayers, we lift all these prayers to you, including the ones proclaimed on the other side of the camera. We trust you. Thank you, Lord, that you are our hope. Yes. 